All right, let's test your brains. <laughs> That's not a very good idea. Isn't that your favorite thing to do on a Sunday? <laughs> yeah. What? I got it. Have a test? Well, Audrey. Well, you can write, you write, if you bring a pencil, you can write it down too. No, I can't. I have this Bible. So fresh with a pencil. Nobody's going to complain. You're just helping people later. You're helping the next person. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> or bring your own Bible. Where is that? I would, but my parents don't want to buy me one. They probably would, I just don't ask for one. <laughs> what are we learning about? Romans. Romans. I knew that. It's Romans. The book of? Romans. Romans. Who wrote it? Paul. Romans by Paul. Oh, Who's Paul? He's an apostle. Right? <laughs> Both of those things are true. Matthew Mark. Oh, I found it. Yeah, he had an encounter with Jesus and became Paul. Isn't there two Pauls? He went on journeys. Missionary journeys to do what? Start churches. Start churches, yeah. So this is a letter that he wrote to the church in Rome. That he did not start because he never went to Rome. He might have gotten there eventually. But he sent this one ahead. At this point in time, he had nothing Right, right. Okay. Um, I gotta turn back. What happened in chapter one? Chapter one. What is Paul trying to say? The power in the gospel. Okay. And God's creation is enough evidence. All right, God's and creation is enough nature. evidence to know that God exists. What's and human nature? All right. Chapter two. What did we learn? You don't have to be Jewish, right? You can uh, follow God, gospel. God. That's true. Everyone so, can be a child of God. Yes. To uh, have the law is not enough. Right. To have the law is not enough. So Jews can't aren't covered just by the fact that they're Jewish. Mm -hmm. So that's the point of chapter two. All right. You have to act on the law. You can't just have it and, you know, say these are the things I do. You have to have a relationship with God. Um, what's chapter three? Uh, you must believe faith is salvation. All right. And faith is always better <coughs> so chapter 3 is faith is the way and chapter 4 is faith has always been the way you talk about Abraham and how he was justified by his faith right uh, next chapter everyone has sinned Jesus died for everybody ah yes Chapter 5. Sin came for all. Yeah. Jesus came for all. Chapter 6. We have to do something, right? Shall we say? Right, it's the natural reaction. Because Christ died for us, we should change our behavior away from sin. All right? We should change. 
chapter seven. Seven. Is you have a struggle because you just you do things that you don't want to do because you're talk- led by the spirit. We talked about husbands and wives. Yeah. All right. So you're gonna to change means to let go of sin. You gotta take that part out of you. It's gonna live in there still, but you have to deny it. Chapter 8. This is what you, what happens if you make this change. If you deny sin, what do you get? You remember, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Remember that? So if you make this change, nothing will ever separate you from God. Alright, because what can separate you? What's that one thing? Sin. Absolutely. So you have to deny it. Alright, then we did a quick synopsis on chapter 9 through 11. You guys remember that? That was like mostly... It mostly pertains to the Jews, right? We talked about the Jews. Mm-hmm. You remember the olive tree? We were adopted oh, yeah. and into God's promise. Right, so we were grafted in. Alright. There's two other things I wanted you to remember out of these. Nobody chapters. is permanently expelled. Right, so it. <clears throat> It, you're going to struggle, right? This is not an easy thing to do, but you can always be, you can always come back. God will always forgive you. Alright? <clears throat> Till your last breath, you've got a chance. One more thing. Out of this set of chapters. We started talking about God's call, how we're called to do what? Um, <clears throat> his work. Which is? A fellowship. We oh, read that, that section out of Matthew. What was that called? What, what, what was that section? It was like the last three verses in Matthew. In Matthew? Like the entire book? Spread the gospel. That section is called the Great Commission. Oh yeah, I see it now. It says, right. Go ye therefore. Yes, all go. All the nations. There you go. So that, that's the takeaway from 9, 9 through 11. What was chapter 12? What did we learned about last week, actually. Yep. Right, so we've, we're making that change, right? And so we talked about the things that we can't do. We can't live by sin anymore. So now we're going to talk about the things that we should do as a result of that change. Yes, use your talents. Yeah. And with that, there is 
the idea of um, like vengeance is God's, so we don't. Oh, right. So you shouldn't be jealous of anybody else's talents, and you shouldn't be, you know, everybody has their own thing to do. All right, and turning around here. <clears throat> and so we finished up at the end of last week with a long list of things from Paul, right? And what did I say at the end of the lesson? <laughs> yes, we do have more of the book, <laughs> right? There's more to say. Uh, but I asked you guys to do something for me throughout the week. Oh, yeah. Remember this stuff? Yeah. How'd you do? Okay. Daily task. It's a scout phrase. <laughs> huh? Do a good turn daily? Yeah, but in the Scout Vespers song, it's Have I Done My Daily Task? Anyhow, uh, so at the end of the lesson last week, we read through that big list of things that we can do to help achieve our goal of things we should do when we make this change, this natural change for, uh, for Christ. Uh, why do you think I asked you guys to try that? Because we Huh? <laughs> I knew you would forget. No, that's not why. Oh. I did have a feeling that some of you would forget. But that's okay. You know, we're trying to create habits here for, you know, the, such that you guys can actually try and do this stuff that, you know, Paul is saying is the natural reaction to Jesus dying for us. So the point is our human reaction to situations are sometimes the opposite of what God wants us to do, how God wants us to react. And uh, learning, relearning how to react is kind of hard. Right? That's why it's that daily task. Okay? So the challenge stands, right? I think Gideon did a good job for it just now. Instead of taking that chair, he thought twice. Alright? That's not something that a normal human nature reaction would be. The human nature reaction is I want that chair, I'm gonna take it. Alright? So I know it's hard. Right? We should be, uh, and if you know it's hard, right, and we're all kind of in this boat together, I think we should all be more ready to forgive each other. Does that kind of make sense? You know that this person's struggling with that, and you can kind of, you know, you're struggling with making this change yourself. So we can all kind of be accepting of where everybody is. And the other takeaway that I wanted you guys to have is, you know, it, it takes this daily effort, right? something to think about. Anyhow, this week, Paul will continue in this same stream of thought, essentially expanding on his list of traits and actions of someone who is uh, who has chosen to live their life for Christ, be that living sacrifice. Let's turn to Romans chapter 13, please. 13. Yep. Romans chapter 13, and let's start reading in our round, starting at verse 1. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. 
whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive themselves a um, damnation. All right. Uh, so what is Paul talking about here? Um, he's not specifically talking about God. When he, when he refers to powers here, he's talking about something different. Government. government. Yes. Government. We are talking about the government. So what does Paul say about the government? Okay, yeah. So he's saying that you should follow the government and the rules that they put in place. All right, That's something that we can do as Christians and people who have made this change. We should follow the rules that are in place. And why should we follow those rules? Because we should. What It says right in there why we should. Because God... Who put those people in power? God put them in power. All right, so that's why it's our job to follow them. But wait, do you guys remember last week? Paul told us to be a rebel. Yeah, because the government. <laughs> <laughs> the government okay, so you guys are getting at kind of what I'm hinting at. Okay, so, <laughs> but all it says right here, all power. All people in power, all government systems are there because God allows them to be, all right? Uh, so this distinction because where Paul is saying, or the difference, I should say, between Paul saying, follow the government, and also Paul saying a chapter earlier, <coughs> uh, be a rebel, is a dichotomy that gives us some meaning, right? The, uh, what the meaning is, is we're supposed to obey our governments, but it's an active obedience. What does that mean? You're supposed to do it all the time. Mm, nope. I don't know. Okay. Uh, that's fine. I was waiting for other people to guess. Anybody? Gideon. I'd probably be able to guess once I saw it. Okay, so we're supposed to obey our governments, but when do we not obey? Let me ask the question that way. When they're bad. When they are When, right. Except when they contradict the Bible. That's what Paul is getting at here. That was my second guess. You should have said it. you second guessed it? Get it? Alright. That's what this active uh, obedience is, right? We shouldn't blindly follow the world systems because sometimes the world systems can be wrapped up in the government and we shouldn't follow that. the obvious representation for our government is our local, state, and federal governments, right? What are some other powers that we could also lump into this group of things? The superintendent. Of? My school. Okay, school. All right, that's another system. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm not asking you to do something easy. All right. Uh, give me some more. Home is another power system that we need to submit to, right? 
Work. Good job. Any other guesses? That's fine. That, I mean, that's kind of part of our government. I was just, the three that you guys said are the three I had on my list. So oh. good job. I was just opening up the floor. All right. So I read this stuff, these verses, these two verses. Uh, I thought to myself, man, that's tough. These are hard, uh, hard to wrap my head around sometimes. Uh, I like to think through history, and even in our time today, there are and have been some pretty terrible governments, right? Pretty terrible. Governments that have killed millions of people, governments that seem to have furthered only the systems of sin, governments that persecute Christians and actively fight against God. How can these governments be appointed by God? Because they're a test of our faith. Okay, that's a, that's a thought. So think about this. Uh, the government at the time of Christ uh, tried the sinless son of God, found him guilty in a sham of a trial, and tortured and killed him all in a single day. This corrupt system killed Jesus, but that's the best thing that ever happened to anybody of all time. Right? It's a terrible thing, but God worked it for the good of all mankind. Think about this. The Holocaust was an exceedingly terrible and cruel event, but it allowed the Jews to return to the promised land after not having a country for almost 2,000 years. Right? Israel wasn't a thing before World War II. In, in the modern, modern age. I'm not saying that outweighs the bad, but what I'm saying is God is constantly working to bring about his plan. Think about Israel in Old Testament times as well. God allowed Israel to be taken over every few generations. <laughs> Sometimes God puts leaders in power for reasons other than blessing the people in that nation. All right? Sometimes it's to judge people or to ripen a nation for returning it back to God. Does that make sense? So God is always working, even though there's these sometimes terrible governments, he does put everybody in power for his plan. Sometimes there's bad leadership or just a pure lack of leadership. Right? We all know what that's like, but we can trust that God is in control no matter how big or small that power, that government, that situation is. Keep going, verse 3, please. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for, for good, but if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he beareth not the sword in faith, for he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath of God him that he calls the government God's minister. It's kind of an interesting thing to think about, right? Uh, this means that the government is 
serving its God-given function when it is carrying out God's commandments. He's almost likening it to the church itself, right? So he talks about the sword. That means uh, enacting punishments, which could include the punishment of sin. Uh, The other thing that this means is that if the government is God's minister, they are a servant of God, right? So if governments put themselves above the role of serving God, they open themselves up for judgment, and that's where our active obedience takes over, right? We need to be looking at everything that we're asked to do and make sure that it agrees with God's plan. Uh, But what does this mean for you guys? What does it mean if the government is, its purpose is to be a servant of God? Right, we already talked about that. This is the next step. We live in a unique style of government. Right? What's the style of government we live in? Democracy. Democratic Republic. Democratic Republic. What's the difference? Because Democratic Republic is... Like we elect leaders to make our choices for us, Correct. whereas democracy is everybody has <laughs> same equal. In a democracy, oh. every single decision the government makes is a popular vote. I don't know. Yeah, the, no, we're learning stuff here. I feel like it's everybody okay. just told, like, the school yeah. teachers just said everybody we live in a democracy. Like, democracy. Yeah, well, it is, know. absolutely. It's also a republic. It's also a constitution. Yeah. So what's a republic? A republic is where you have representatives that make decisions for the larger group. Right? So we've got both. There are some things that are popular vote, like where we elect those representatives, and then they get to make the decisions for their term. So how is like a normal republic? So think about the Roman Republic, right? Uh, Essentially, other people in power in the region would pick a representative to uh, further their interests at the capital. So it would, it, you know, it's less, it's more controlled by people with money and corporations than by individuals, because they're going to say, "This is our guy," right? Um, it's an appointment system mostly. Um, So we live in this democratic republic, government of the people, by the people, for the people. You've heard that before, right? So that means that we are part of our own government. So that means if and when you have the chance to vote, we are obligated to vote in accordance with God's commandments, right? That's another thing that Paul can say here because we're part of this government. We are God's ministers within the system we live in. All right, keep going. Verse 6, please. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. What's custom in, in this instance? Or tribute, custom. So when you go through customs, uh, when you go through customs, what are you doing? 
you're entering a country, right? And they're, they're making sure you're following all of their rules before you even come in. Uh, what's tribute in this instance? Taxes. All right. So he's echoing what Jesus said, right? Render to Caesar what is Caesar's and render to God what is God's, right? So he's saying pay your taxes, pay your dues. That's part of following the system. Oh, yeah, Jesus said that. Raise your hand if you're a taxpayer. All right. <laughs> you, you might pay sales tax, right? Uh, I, yeah, I've bought things with my own money before, but I don't like to pay school taxes. Uh, so my question is, okay... John, do. we don't pay taxes yet. How does these particular verses apply to you? Because you will. Okay, yeah, but I'm saying right now. Well, and there's like certain things you're required to do. Okay. For your country. Like, like, Audrey, how old are you? You're seven. Next year you can vote, but do you have to pay taxes when you're 18? Yes. Okay. Well, the I other ways it would be, well, you. It would be representation without taxation, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, uh, what I'm getting at is there's things that you can do still today, like you were saying, do what you're supposed to, To, and we have this Christian obligation to follow and honor those in charge in all of our systems, whether it's our government or our school or our home or our anything we're involved in that might have uh, a system of leadership. All right, let's keep going. Romans 13, verse number 8, please. Oh no man, anything but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou Thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the Alright, so note that Paul is not saying that we should never have debt in verse 8, right? When he says, owe no one. What he is saying is that by loving our neighbor, we can make it such that we owe them nothing. Uh, in other words, we owe all those around us our love as a Christian, right? Can you guys give me some examples of neighbors in your life? Like, just neighbors? Okay. Carol Lannan. <laughs> That's not what I meant. I don't know. She was my neighbor. So, okay, we'll talk, you know, I'll, I'll put legit neighbors here. Okay. <laughs> People who literally live near you. Okay, but Paul is getting at more than just those people. More specific. Okay. Um, <laughs> sure. I'm going to put it on here. Cashiers. Um, teachers. Okay. Do you love your teachers all the time? No. Do you love your cashiers all the time? No. You should tell them. I don't know them. <laughs> They're still Well, now when you go to Walmart, there's like barely no cashiers. So. That's true. You should love that self-checkout. <laughs> Bro, I love you, man. <laughs> beep, beep. Seriously, though, give me some more examples. I mean, this is this the list could be endless, so there's no um, wrong answers. No. Uh, <laughs> okay, maybe there's like far-fetched answers. 
<laughs> Maybe we're supposed to like him, but your peers. Ooh, that's oh. right. That's a good one. <laughs> Those people who drive you crazy. Your your family. They're your favorite people all the time, I'm sure. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. Um, so remember that this love that Paul is talking about here is beyond just tolerating these people. All right. This is, again, an active thing, a daily task. Uh, you should want and pray for their joy, their success, their happiness. And if you are in a situation where you are able to be the source of these things, you should do it selflessly. All right. That's what this is, this neighborly love. And, you know, he lists some of the Ten Commandments there. And essentially he's just saying all of them can be wrapped up in love thy neighbor as thyself, right? Because if you do these things, you won't do the other things that you're not supposed to do, all right? Keep going. Uh, verse 11, please. In that known time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now it's our salvation near, that, near then when we believe. Okay. Paul tells us to wake up. Why? Because we need to be ready for when God comes. Okay. That's a great reason. Uh, why do you need to wake up? To go to school. Okay. that's. <laughs> you wouldn't need to wake up if you didn't go to sleep in the first place. But you is have my to. Point. Why is Paul? Why does Paul feel like we're reading a letter? We're obviously not asleep. I mean, from faith. Like, like, okay, wake ups. Yes. Yeah, so this is a spiritual wake up. Like, like when you when God comes into you, your spirit is awakened because okay. before He does, it's like dead. Okay. So think about this. You can talk in your sleep. I can. Um, uh, so, okay. Some people are able to talk in their sleep. It's I think really you talk in your sleep a lot. I've heard the stories. All right. You can hear things in your sleep, you know, and you're like, it's the best time to ask your mom if you can do something that maybe you don't often get the chance yeah, to do. You're like, hey, mom, can I have a soda? And you're like, eh. <laughs> All right. I'm like really drunk. Like before I go to sleep, my mom's like, are you going to sleep up there, baby? And I'm like, what? Yeah. So you obviously heard something, right? But it didn't fully make it all the way into your brain. Uh, some people can walk in their sleep. All right. Uh, Bree tells me that I sing in my sleep. <laughs> all right. um, so we can even think in our sleep, right? That's dreaming. Okay. All of these things here apply to a spiritual sleep, right? You can talk in your sleep. You can come to church and talk and say all the right things. You can hear the word, but still be spiritually asleep. You can do all of the right things, but still be spiritually asleep, right? You can sing the songs the loudest and the best, but you can still not achieve actual worship. And you can think on the Bible, but if you don't pray it in, right? If you don't have this heart-to-heart -heart connection with God, you're spiritually asleep, right? Instead, we need to do all of those things while spiritually awake. All right? Reach out with your heart to God and let the Holy Spirit move through you in everything you do. We're back to this daily task, all right? You need to daily be spiritually awake. Keep going, verse 12. 
Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting or drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife or en and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts there. All right, what does chambering and wantonness mean? I don't know. I could barely even read that. <laughs> All right. Um, some translations say licentiousness and lust here. Others says say lewdness and lust. All right. What Paul is asking us here to do here is to walk in purity and without pride. All right, in good conscience. Conscience. Um, Notice that he's asking you to walk, right? The image here is that you can't sit back and expect Jesus to do all of these things for us. Right? We have to partner up with him and be willing to pull our own weight. This isn't the group project in class where you partner with the really smart kid so that you can get an easy grade. No, it's not fair because everybody's like, oh yeah, I'll do Phoebe this. will do all my work. And then they're like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, there right. you go. All right. So uh, he, Paul is saying it's a new day. Today is a new day, and tomorrow is another. We talked at the beginning how all of these things we're asking is are kind of hard. All right. You're gonna stumble. You're gonna fail. You're gonna struggle. All right. But you got to get up every day, be spiritually awake, and try again. All right. And I hope you choose every day to work with Christ, have that partnership, and uh, you know. We'll talk more next week. Thanks, guys.